The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. You have consent. If you haven't yet subscribed to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel, also do that while you're here. Let's get into it. Today, we are continuing our summer shoot-around series that we'll be doing over a seven-week span. We've already published episodes on Arizona, Arkansas, Baylor, Connecticut, and Creighton. We're working in alphabetical order, so now we're turning our attention to Duke. Last season, Duke went 27-9 overall, 14-6 in the ACC. Finished tied for third in the league standings with Pitt and Clemson, one game back of Miami and Virginia. Blue Devils won the ACC tournament. Then they got a five seed in the NCAA tournament. Then they beat Oral Roberts in the round of 64 before losing to Tennessee in the round of 32. They finished 18th at Ken Palm. The top four scorers from that team, they're all back. Cal Filipowski, Jeremy Roach, Tyrese Proctor, Mark Mitchell, which is why I've got the Blue Devils ranked third in the top 25 and one. We'll see what Norlander thinks about it next. But first, a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, dead leg. Duke, as a preseason top three team, can you dig it or do you despise it? For a little alliteration purposes, 
I'm going to let that one go. But in your little script there, let's let's mix in a new one, a new post-break, dig or despise. Is it too much to ask? It is too much to ask. It's feeling a little formulaic at this point. It is Top three to team? Uh, I can... I can maybe get there. You mentioned on our Creighton episode that the more you dig into a team, sometimes you find yourself really liking liking them. Or in the case of a of a Marquette, you really can't stand them. Um, it's going to be me and Shaka Smart and Greg McDermott and Scott Drew at Dan Hurley at a final Shaka's four there now too. table. Okay. Shaka's there too. Okay. Yeah, I got Shaka there too. Um, uh, the more I look at the Duke roster, the more I like it, which is just going to come to. Come as a shock to the to the haters who insist that I hate Duke, which is always funny. And then there's the group that insisted on when you're the FedEx Cup champion. What uh, what do you want from me there? <laughs> um, no Whitehead, no Lively. Uh, but those two players combined to give you what 15, 14 points a game last season, GP. Uh, and they were not they're not available for most of the season. The fact that you got Filipowski back, Jeremy Roach back, and Proctor, um, those are the big three. Mark Mitchell, I think, makes a, a nice move here in his second season. Ryan Young was just a 6.4 point per game kind of guy, but there were moments last season, games last season, where he was like one of the two most important dudes on the floor for Duke. And of course, GPO layout, the freshman they got coming in in just a second. But among all the things to track for Duke this season, I think the biggest one is year two for Shire. The one-year trial period, you know, let's see how this goes. That's over. Duke was good last season. As I said on a couple of episodes uh, earlier this year, like Duke passed the test. Shire did a really good job. Now, and some head coaches believe that year two is actually tougher than year one. Year one, because you get a little bit of the grace period, but year two, it's a little more of your guys in there, and you really got to show what you're made of, what you can do. So I think there's going to be – a lot of inherent pressure around Duke this season that I don't think was there last season. I think now because you have big names returning and you had a relatively good season last season, there will be this like, all right, if this is going to be Duke in, uh, you know, under Shire, if they're going to be the real deal, then let's see a team that is in the top 10 for most of the season. Can they do that? And if they do, then I think the biggest question after that is, does Flip make the jump to be an All-American? He was one of the five best freshmen in the country last season. He was a top 25 player in the sport last season. And I think he maybe we're going to wind up getting pretty crowded here as we slowly start to build our list for top 101 players. But I think that Filipowski should be a top 15 player in the country. What? As, as way, a higher. way higher. You think it should be way higher? Yes. I mean, I, it could potentially be there, but I'm saying like he should be. He should be that his, his return is pivotal to. The preseason projections, the fact that they're in this top three, I think that's the biggest element to Duke ceiling, GP. That and if you have been listening to all of our episodes, we actually referenced this on the Creighton show. Uh, will Jeremy Roach and Tyrese Proctor become the top backcourt combo in the sport? I think the potential is there for it. And if they do, then... Duke is national championship worthy. They'll be in that contention. They can win the ACC, but I think that those things have to happen. I think Roach and Proctor have to be, if not the best backcourt, one of the two or three best backcourts in the country. And Filipowski has to be a first, second or third team all American in order to get there. They have plenty of support around him. That's just an initial look at the roster. What do you see Parrish? Well, on Filipowski, I see somebody who could maybe be a preseason first team all American. I haven't looked at that yet, but uh, he's on a team that 
is going to get votes for number one in the preseason. And he averaged 15 points, nine rebounds a game last season. The three-point shooting wasn't very good, 28%. That's got to improve. He's not much of a rim protector, less than one block per game, despite being seven foot one. So he kind of needs to show that he's better at both of those things, or at least better at one of those things, um, to improve his position as an NBA draft prospect. But he's a guy that I – do you think he would have been a first-round pick if he entered the 2023 NBA draft? Question. Um, yeah, I do. I, yeah, I, I do too. In the 20s, but I, I do think that he would have been a first-round pick. Maybe the three-point shooting would have prevented that, but I, I think he he displayed enough. If anything, the dude kept getting... I mean, this guy... Did he get three concussions last season? Like he was getting beat up all of the damn time. Uh, hopefully he can avoid any of that stuff moving forward. But, it, you know, whether or not he was or not, call him a top 35 NBA prospect. The fact that Duke gets a guy like that to come back uh, is a major deal. And obviously NIL has to do with it, but it also helps the sport. To be honest, like if, if Duke is in the top five conversation in the preseason and they have recognizable players now that K is gone, a very good thing for college basketball. And you're not wrong about the preseason expectations. I just want to be clear about differentiating. Like there's one thing to have those expectations and he's got to actually do it. So yeah. I think there's a good chance he's a first, second or third team All-American, but he still needs to make the jump. There's no automatic about it. It'll be one of the bigger plot lines uh, at the top of the polls in the first month of the season. There are uh, a handful of guys over the years, and I think Blake Griffin is the best example of this, of they come in as five-star prospects. They have really good freshman seasons. They could enter the draft and be a first-round pick, but then they decide to come back to school, and they really do take it to another level. And I think Filipowski's that guy. I, like, there's only so many – like statistical things he's going to be able to do because he's playing with other great players, right? Jeremy Roach is really good. Tyrese Proctor is really good. Mark Mitchell is really good. All these guys should be better in theory than they've ever been. So I, I don't think Filipowski can go up to like 24 points a game and 12 rebounds because he's surrounded by yeah. pieces. This he, is yeah. uh, that would, that would stun me if he had that, if he had yeah. those numbers, he might be the player of the year, frankly, yeah. even though yeah. he's out there like that would be an outrage. Yeah. I, I think he's got too many other good players around him that are proven like, contributors at this level that it's just going to be hard for his points per game rebounds per game to to go up uh dramatically we'll see but i think we could look up and and you're going is cal filipowski one of the three best players in college basketball this season that would not surprise me at all he's the main reason why i have duke third in the top 25 and one and pick to win the acc if you're curious in the acc i've got duke at three uh, I got Duke winning the league, third in the top 25 and one. I've got Miami finishing second in the league, 10th in the top 25 and one. North Carolina finishing third in the league, 22nd in the top 25 and one. If you look at last season's record, Duke, it, it doesn't look that great. They lost to Virginia on February 11th to fall to 17 and eight overall. Controversial loss, by the way. But yes. Why was it controversial? I don't even remember. What? I don't remember it. Filipowski. Oh yeah, the but what uh, something happened. Some, yeah. I know some. It was at the buzzer. It was a buzzer yeah, thing. Correct. Yes. Yes. And they who got screwed? Back. Duke or Virginia? Uh, no. Yeah, oh, that no, was no. This is they reversed a call and they went to replay and got it wrong. Is that right? The correct and Virginia wound up winning the game in overtime. Duke should have won it in regulation. They went to yes. they went to the they they went to the replay and got it wrong. Yes. That's right. Yeah, or oh, yeah. Was, yeah, the process therein. We don't need to relitigate. Trust me, Duke fans. And- Duke got screwed. Is that right? Duke got screwed. 
I think there is the argument there that that was the case. Virginia fans don't want to hear any of it. That was the that was Duke's last loss, by the way, until they got stomped right. by Virginia. Or Virginia Duke, right, they, and that's the other thing with Duke. And I know, you know, hardcore basketball fans know, it, but they're just constantly getting screwed by the officials. It's been going on for at least twenty five years at this point. Just constantly getting screwed Nobody by the officials. It. And and the Virginia game last season was a the latest example of that. Yep. Hopefully, maybe one day Drew, Duke will get treated fairly on the court. I just can we have Duke get one call? Can, can Duke get have, one call? Can Duke get one call? Can Duke season? get one call? You would think one of the biggest brands in the sport would get a whistle every once in a while, but uh, not really, not really. Let's go. So after they lost to Virginia, on, like you mentioned, they went ten and one the rest of the way. There's a a span of four plus weeks, and in that stretch, from the day after the Virginia game, so February 12th through the end of the season, Duke was the fourth best team in the country, according to BartTorvik.com. Trivia time, who were the top three in the country, only ahead of, ahead of Duke from February 12th on? Uh, Gonzaga? Gonzaga was one of them, yes. Gonzaga was Houston. third. Not Houston. Uh, there's like a weird one in there. Um, not Houston. Uh, no, but in the state of Texas. Uh, Gonzaga. Gonzaga is uh, not in the state of Texas. I know. No, I'm, I know that. Um, was it A and M? Nope. Uh, was it Baylor? Nope. Say Texas A and M, but then leave off A and M. Just Texas. How yes, about Texas, Texas was there? second, and UConn was first. And I was going to say UConn. So from okay. February 12th through the end of the season, the top four teams in the country were UConn, Texas, Gonzaga and duke so they got good last season and now the top four scores from that team are back i've got kansas number one in the top 25 and one i've got purdue number two but i don't if anybody wants to make a case that duke should be the preseason number one or duke should be the favorite to win the national title it's totally reasonable they're going to be really really they should be really really good i don't know who's going to play the five like flip didn't play five last year because of lively um ryan young is a five i don't know if He's expected to start. Mark Mitchell is really good. One of those two will play the five. They've got a lot of, of, of big wings on this roster. Um, in addition to guys like uh, Jaden Shutt and Jalen Blakes, who are role players, but you know, we'll see if they get more burn here. Um, I've got the freshman here in front of me, but I presume you do as well. Do you want to run down the, the newbies here on campus in Durham? Yeah, like if I'm looking at a projected starting lineup, it, it, we know four of them for sure, right? Jeremy Roach, Tyrese Proctor, Mark Mitchell, Kyle Filipowski. Those guys are starting. Yeah. Who you want to put with them? I think the best candidate, the most obvious candidate, I'll put it that way, is Ryan Young, 6'10 senior. You know, he's just a role player. You know, six points, five rebounds, 17 minutes a game. Last season, he was behind Lively and Filipowski. Now Lively's gone. I, I think, the most obvious thing to do is you just slide him in there. But um, flip Mitchell and Young together. How often would they be? They might that might be the starting five. How often is how often would they be on the floor? I just wonder with that. I don't know. You're not wrong, but I'm just. I think to, you could play those guys together. I think. You I think you together. probably can as well. Um, and those are your five most accomplished players, so that does make sense. But there is, you know, there's. But they do have it like the number two ranked recruiting class in the country belongs exactly. to Duke. Exactly. So if they go Roach, Proctor, Mitchell, Filipowski, Young, how about this? Mm-hmm. They'd have four top 25 freshmen coming off their bench. Yeah. Uh, Jared McCain, TJ Power, Sean Stewart, Caleb Foster. None of them are what you would call fives or traditional bigs. But, boy, when you got four top 25 prospects coming off your bench, 
you it, mm-hmm. it speaks to the level of talent within your program. Whether Duke will have the best team or not, we'll see. I don't think there's any question. Top to bottom rosters, nobody's got a more talented roster talent than John wise. Shire. Yeah, uh, this is something that occasionally comes up with me and my uh, with our buddy Jeff Borzello. Uh, I wonder if he would agree with you on that. Stewart's a six nine power forward out of Windermere, Florida. Uh, McCain is a six three combo. Uh, guard out of Sacramento. Foster is a 6'5 wing from nearby Harrisburg, North Carolina. And then TJ Powers, another power forward, 6'9. I guess by definition, I could kind of, if you told me he was able to float, I'd believe it, uh, from Shrewsbury, Massachusetts. So we'll see how they get mixed in. Um, you got four guys who have been either the man or, or certainly at worst the number two option for the most part over their high school careers. Um, you know, some of these guys obviously played and went the went the prep level there, and they're with other talented uh, high major players. But um, Shire's got a he's got an interesting he's got an interesting concoction with this roster because you have the vets and because you have some 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 megawatt players here. In addition to all the young guys, it will uh, it will be it will be intriguing. Who's going to be the key freshman? I, is another is another question for me. I don't know. Stewart, I could see it being Stewart. Um, I like Powers game plenty. Uh, don't know a lot about McCain, to be honest. Uh, and Foster, I've seen play a little bit, and I, and I do like him as well. So there's a, there's a litany of options, and we'll see how the minutes wind up breaking down. You got anything else before we get to the schedule? Well, also on the bench, they'll have Jalen Blakes. I, I'm always fascinated. Like, what, what do you think he's up to? I, I've, I, to be honest, I haven't thought a minute about what Jalen Blakes has been up to for the past couple of months. Well, that, that's sort of my point. Like, what's he doing right now? I got no idea, man. I'm what sure they had work right today. What do you think he's doing right now? Yeah, I got no, I got no thoughts on Jalen Blake's. Personal. So he's ranked 188th in the class of 2021 and goes to Duke, which makes no sense whatsoever, unless you just it's your dream to sit on the bench at Duke. Yeah, but you know what? Maybe there is something to that. Like maybe you just want to be around a program like that, see if you can earn it. And I'm not going to presume what uh, what his priorities are. And may, you know, you get to uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like his priorities. Yeah. How about this? His priorities quite clearly have to be something other than playing basketball. <laughs> Or right. playing, playing it a lot. I hear you. Yeah, because yeah. He, he, you, you know when you're ranked, you got to know when you're ranked 188th in the country, you ain't playing at Duke as a freshman. So he played yeah. like uh, 4.5 minutes. And then last year he played point, uh, 13.6 minutes. And now here he is probably like, you know, buried on the bench again because cause they're recruiting more talented guys. I don't, like on one hand, you know, you know what? If, if I sat down with him and he said, GP, like it's all good. I appreciate you worrying about me, but I'm cool. Uh, like my my goals are not to be in the NBA or even he's be not a calling you GP. He's like, he might, who the hell are you, man? No, he would call me GP. He would say GP. Buddy, wait till I get a. I'm, I'm gonna get Jalen Blake's on the phone and teach him how to reference me. He says, GP, um, I'm everybody who plays at Duke uh, gets into coaching if they want to, or gets into media if they want to. I'm getting one of the 20 best educations you can get in the country. I'm good, baby. I'd say that's very mature of you. I would agree. I'd say that's very mature of you. But I don't know. I just always, I'd like to play, you know? And he's at a place where he's just probably never going to play. All right. 90% of people like him in a situation like his would have transferred already. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. He's a bulldog on the floor. I know that much. He's got, uh, he's got some real gumption to his game. He, he's a bulldog on the bench. Okay, stop. <laughs> My apologies to Jalen Blake. Mine too. Mine too. I didn't mean. To. I just think it's. It, I just think it's interesting that he's still there. I understand what you're saying. They had a. They had a player like this uh, four or five years ago 
he was like he got recruited. Who was this dude? Duke fans know it automatically. What I'm talking about. Hold on. Who was lowly rated out of high school, but he was recruited by K. He said, "I'm going to go and I'm going to play there." Who was this? Uh, Jordan Goldwire. Remember Jordan Goldwire? Yeah. He played at Duke for four years, got his degree, and then went and then transferred as a grad transfer and uh, and uh, got some burn there at Oklahoma. So maybe that's Blake's path as well. He's anyway, headed, you he's, got headed, he's headed to Norman. He's next stop, Norman. Yeah. Oh, on the uh, by the way, on that note, um, Duke just added a Duke just added a, a coach to its roster um, because they lost they lost um, Emil Emil Jefferson to. The Boston Celtics, Emil Jefferson, like just got, it feels like he got out of college like three years ago. And now he's an assistant at, 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 in, in the NBA with the Celtics, which more power to him. I think that's absolutely awesome. But he, he went up to Boston, so they had to fill uh, the spot. And so lo and behold, um, and I'm guessing there's some sort of Chicago connection. Emmanuel Dildy, who was at Oklahoma is leaving the Sooners to join the staff at Duke. So we have actually a little bit of coaching transaction that happened shortly before we did this episode. And so there we go. So now Porter Mosier is on the hunt for an assistant. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, shit. what'd it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four the podcast so you don't miss a thing. Jalen Blake's Boston Celtics assistant, going to do two more years at Duke, and then three years after that, he'll be on he'll be on staff with the Celtics. There we go. All right, here's the schedule versus Dartmouth. I'm at, this is a solid schedule. I wish they had one more notable game versus Dartmouth, home against Arizona, second game of the season, then against Michigan State in the Champions Classic. Then they've got this Blue Devil MTE. What are we doing with this thing? Bucknell, LaSalle, Indiana State. The way that I understand this is that this got contracted, and I think it might be the last year, and then there's not going to be the Blue Devil MTE in existence in the years to come. Then we've got at Arkansas, Mm. which we detailed on the Arkansas Summer Shootaround. So that's the one on-conference road game here. Then it's going to be home against Charlotte, home against Hofstra, Duke will play Baylor in the Garden shortly before Christmas. And then the last non-con game is home against Queen College. And then here is the ACC schedule. They they go home and away, obviously, against UNC. In addition to Wake Forest, Georgia Tech, Louisville, Notre Dame, and Pitt. So the home and away, I think, is actually advantageous to Duke overall. Only home games, Boston College, Clemson, Q's. Virginia comes to... Cameron Indoor. Duke will not go to Virginia this season. It did last season. Road games only, not going to Durham. Florida State, Miami on the road. That's when they only get one game against Miami. Only NC State on the road. Only Virginia Tech on the road. Arizona, Michigan State, at Arkansas, Baylor on a neutral. Four prime 
time, big non-con games against high majors. I am setting the over-under at 24.5 wins for the Duke Blue Devils in year 200. John Shire, Gary Parrish, what's your record? I'm going over. It's going to be me, Greg McDermott, Scott Drew, Dan Hurley, Shaka Smart, and John Shire. Well, now you've got too many coaches. Before these guys were with you as they were coaching in the Final Four, now you have too many coaches to be coaching in the Final Four. So go ahead and inform our listeners which coaches are actually going to be involved in the Final Four and who's losing before then. Yeah, we'll get to that on a later episode. Okay, that's what I thought. I'm going to try to keep my all my friends at least through the offseason. Okay. Let's count backwards from 31. I'm going to give them one non-league loss. Okay, then one. who is it? At Arkansas? That's obviously the most likely place. Okay, so to the Arizona fans, you're losing to Duke to Baylor. Scott Drew. Sorry, Scott. GP hates you. You're going down against Duke in the Garden, Cameron North, and then uh, Tom Izzo. Well, you and Tom Izzo have been butting heads for years at this what? point. Sparty, sorry to, sorry to break your heart. You're losing. You're losing to Duke. Doesn't Michigan State always lose to Duke? Actually, Tom Izzo is like four and fifteen all time. Yeah, so I'm like, what are we doing? Like, I love Tom, but like, what do, we, what do you want me to say? I mean, the record is the record. Tom Izzo, just like he had the Zach Eady scoop before anyone, he might even have that scoop before anyone else. Did. Yeah, it's just it is what it is. I'm sorry, it is what it is. I think at Arkansas is the, is the most likely, but they could lose any of those, like the Michigan State game, the Baylor game, the Arkansas game. I just think they're going to go. Don't be sleeping on the Charlotte 49ers. Shouts to Bobby Lutz. Yeah, that's right. Charlotte was good, man. They had some years for a minute. Um, they could lose to Michigan State. They could lose to Baylor. They could lose to Arkansas. I just think in that series of games, they'll go two and one. Okay. At well, Arkansas, there are, there are four games, so they're going to need one more. <laughs> well, give me the give me the four one. What's the fourth one then? Baylor. Yeah, Baylor, Michigan State, Arizona, Arkansas, Arizona. I think okay. they're going to go three and one in those games. Okay. They could lose any of them, but I think they'll go three and one in those games. It's all fun. It's all fun and games being Jalen Blake's to you sitting on the bench watching him call the hogs in Fayetteville, you know? Mm, yeah. All right. People are so, saying, yeah. One non league loss. Let's go four ACC losses. Okay. 31 minus five, 26 victories heading into the ACC tournament. That's what I have for John Shire and the Blue Devils. Not a year tracking these, right? We got, uh, so when these graphics come out, we, uh, we got the right. Oh, numbers. yeah, absolutely. 26 and 5. 26 and 5 heading into the ACC tournament. 26 and 5. Last season, Duke heading into the ACC tournament was 23 and 8. I am going to go 24 and 7. I'll say Duke is Oh, you up. don't believe in John Shire That's either. Not, yeah. Who do you believe in? Tell me one coach you have faith teams in. With 23, 24 wins. Like, Tell me one coach who you actually think is good. 24 and seven, a very respectable 24 and seven. I got two non-con losses and then I've got five, five in ACC play because I'll, and I'll, in, uh, unlike GP, I'm going to tell you where the losses are going to happen in league okay. play. I'll say they lose at UNC. I'll say they get picked off at Miami. I'll say Virginia gets them at home. That's three. And I'll say they lose. Uh, you know what? I think they get knocked off in, in Blacksburg. That's happened a few times. And then, um, the big thing with Duke is they didn't lose a home game last season. I think that happens this year. You put me down for uh, actually, it's kind of hard to pick a home. Uh, no, I got Virginia. I've got Virginia going in there. I'm almost at 25 and six, but I said 24 and seven. I'm sticking to it. Sticking to it. Maybe Clemson goes and, uh, and does some damage. Brad Brownell, maybe. Bueller. 
I mean, maybe. Really? I mean, maybe. You know? That's what I got. Tell me one coach who you actually think is good at his job. I think almost every coach that we've talked about, if not every coach we've talked about, I think does a very good job. Hold I on. think the reigning, the coach of the reigning national champions, I think Dan Hurley does a pretty good job. John Shire, it's early, but I think he's doing just okay. Continuing to, to, to recruit at the highest of levels, did a really nice job. Not a clip that. Clip it very tight where Norlander says, John Shire, I think he's just doing okay. Okay. Clip that. Not a, now clip GP doing that as well. Back to back. Not a, don't clip that. I believe in John Shire, and I, I I proved that with my projected win total heading into the ACC tournament. I could people could just think that you're just sucking up to the coaches. Which, Maybe I'm just sucking up. Who cares? Yeah. Okay. So what? I want people to like me. Right. You know, I, I would. I, people who know me don't like me, so I'm trying to expand my group of people who enjoy me, and so I've got it's got to go toward people who barely you know just you know talk to me a few times. I tell you, one way to make a lot of friends is mm-hmm. to talk good about Duke. That'll get people to really like you. That's yeah, for sure. it's, it's why I've always, I, more than anything with this team, I just hope that Duke finally gets the calls that it deserves. Over under 1.5 calls Duke gets next season. You know what? I'm optimistic. I'm going to say over. I think under. They've been getting screwed for years. Got screwed against Virginia last year, as noted. Go under. Duke, you give Duke a good whistle and good health, that's the team that could win the whole thing. We'll see how it goes. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening, watching Iron College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts. Apple, Spotify, rate, review, leave comments. There's more of us than there are of them that should be reflected in those comments. Thank you again for being here. We're going to talk to you again real soon. Deadleg, let's see how smart you are. Who's up next? It's a coach you hate, Dusty May. Oh, Dusty May. It's a coach you have hated and downplayed for years. FAU is our next one. That'll be coming on Monday. Florida Atlantic as a preseason top four team. Can Norlander dig it or does he despise it? There's only one way to find out. That's listening to the Florida Atlantic episode. It's up next. Till then. 